And if the rest of us could take our Bibles and look at Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6 is a portion of Scripture that we are all familiar with. At our church here, I'm sure, as I mention this oftentimes, there's a great text for, uh, you know, the difference between the ministry side and the business side of a church, and we have our annual administration church meeting here in a little bit, which we just do once a year. It's very simple. It doesn't take long. We have a very simple church, and I think uh, God wants it to be simple. Um, The church is a ministry first and then a business second, but it is both, as we see in this text, beginning at Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. Let's read it. And in those days, when the number... (coughs) Of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, whom... They set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. And the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. And so, whatever they did in verse, verses 1 through 6 had a profound influence in verse 7. Okay, whatever they did worked. And uh, because notice in verse 7, and the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. And look at the profound influence this church had. A great company of the priests were obedient unto the faith. So whatever they did in verses 1 through 6 brought about a revival in verse number 7. Why? Because people were cared for. People were cared for. That always brings about a revival. Uh, Pastor Barron was mentioning that in his Sunday school lesson this morning about caring for people makes a difference and opens up their hearts more to listen uh, to the message of uh, the gospel than if we don't care and try to cram it down their throats. We don't want to do that. So being caring. So what did they do in verses 1 through 6? Well, I, know, I want you to, just, to notice two things about the first church. This is the church at Jerusalem. Jesus started this church. The church was mobile for three years. It was mobile. It was moving all over the place, all over Galilee especially. Then it would dip down to Jerusalem several times a year. Jesus would come down three times. According to the law, every man had to present himself in Jerusalem for three different feasts every year. And Jesus obeyed the law to the letter. And uh, so sometimes you'll be reading through the Gospels and they're in Jerusalem. Other times they're way up almost 70 miles north in Galilee around the Sea of Tiberias and going to Capernaum and Bethsaida and Chorazin and all those towns there. And it was kind of a mobile church wandering around 
But after the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, it became hunkered down in Jerusalem and became an established church in a permanent location. That history's been repeated, I'm sure, hundreds or thousands of times where some church just starting is wandering all over the place. We went from a house to a storefront building on Main Street in the village of Angola to the Farnham School building. We were in the house for three months. We were in the storefront for two years. We were in the Farnham School building for four years, and then we finally made a permanent move here and this has been kind of the hub of our ministries, our ministries around here uh, in Eden. Uh, this, this building, this property here has housed uh, the family of God that we belong to, our brothers and sisters in the Lord as our meeting place. Well, Jesus was much more mobile on purpose. He was going around to all these towns preaching the gospel in every town. It's just fascinating what he did. But anyways, it becomes established here in Jerusalem and just explodes. Jerusalem was a large city. It was believed to be over a million in population. Whereas you and I are mostly familiar with country towns, at least our churches, <coughs> not that great of a population to draw from. But in those days, verse 1, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, and uh, notice the word disciples in our text uh, mentioned several times. Verse number 2, Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples. By this time, the church was described with these words, the multitude of disciples. Now, if you're a church member, you're supposed to be a disciple. you got to be a believer to get in. All right, Nobody's a, a member of the church till they have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. And they follow the Lord in believers' baptism, that Baptism of Christ was uh, portrayed for us in all four of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and we're supposed to walk in His steps. If you're here today, and you have become a believer in Jesus Christ, and you have not yet followed the Lord and His example by believer's baptism, that's baptism in deep water, uh, showing the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, that's the next step in your faith. It doesn't save you, it just shows outwardly the inward experience you have had of believing Jesus died for me, was buried, and he rose again. And then you belong. I say believe, be baptized, belong, and then begin. God's will for your life. Uh, God's race for your life. And uh, uh, the four B's that help you get started. But after being a believer, then we're supposed to be described as disciples, as it says here in verses 1 and 2, the multitude of disciples, that being a student. A disciple is a student, a learner. He's focusing on Jesus Christ. Three things about Christ. Who is he? What did he do? And what did he say? And a disciple learns who is he? He's the Lord. He's God manifest in the flesh. What did he do? That means all of his actions. You study all of his actions under a microscope. Like what did Jesus, the old, uh, remember the old bracelets people used to wear, WWJD, what would Jesus do? Well, it, that, that's a good question to ask. You've got to know about him to know how, how would he respond, uh, how would he react, and, and what did he focus on, what was important, what were the main things that he gave his life to. And then 
Third of all, what did he say? You study everything he says, which the fact is the whole Bible should be in red letters because it's all his word. But uh, the red letters in the Gospels is a good place to start uh, or in the Revelation or whatever where they show. But you want to study what Christ said with the goal of being just like him someday. That's what a disciple is. Not just a believer who gets saved, uh, but the goal of being just like Jesus. I, I want to be like the Lord. And so you just, you just focused on him all the time. So it's a mixed church. There's Gentiles and Jews in it, according to verse 1, Greeks and Hebrews. There is a preference, a partiality that is shown, which is sin, towards the Jewish widows over the Grecian widows. And as a result, the church starts in verse 1 murmuring, murmuring. Everybody knows just by common sense, this is not Christianity, that Jewish widows be taken care of, Greek widows be neglected in the daily ministration. So this becomes a real burden on the church. No church is perfect. (coughs) Churches have faults. Even the one Jesus left here had faults. And uh, so, but the church is described here as a daily ministration, and that's because it was so big. It was so big. By this time, chapter 2 earlier, verse 41 says 3,000 were saved. Earlier in chapter 4, verse 4 says another 5,000 were saved. And verse 1 says the number of the disciples multiplied. So I don't know, you got maybe 8,000 people in a city of a million, and then they multiply. And as you study other parts of the New Testament, like in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, you'll find out that as the Christian church develops and begins to spread across Asia and Europe, that they would take up offerings in Asia and Europe and places and send them back to Jerusalem because these people were so poor. This was a poor church in Jerusalem. Now they had some good people there who had means, and praise the Lord for those good people. Uh, It says about uh, Barnabas having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. And um, then... uh, the, the, the distribution was made, verse 35 of chapter 4, and laid that down at the apostles' feet. Distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. So I, know, I want you to notice there was a business side of the church, dealing with money, dealing with groceries, that got eschewed with some partiality, where they just favored the Greek, or the, the, the Hebrew widows over the Greek widows, and, and, and I can sense reading this that the apostles are kind of getting worn down by this business of the church. Then the twelve, that's the leaders, the spiritual leaders of the church, called the multitude of the disciples, and they finally said to them, look, verse 2, it is not reason that we leave the word of God and serve tables. Now they weren't being proud and haughty and arrogant, thinking that's too low for us to do. They just were jealously protecting their calling that God had called them to do, and they realized that there had to be somebody in the church who would give themselves completely over to the Word of God so that when God's people assembled, they could feed them with the milk and the meat of the Word of God. They they, they couldn't get distracted from that. 
Uh, that was so important. Somebody has got to labor in the word of God and in doctrine and doing God's work. In the Old Testament, it was the Levites. And in the New Testament, it would be the apostles. And later on, we read about bishops and pastors and elders as the church begins to develop here. So they came up with a plan, a business plan. Verse 3, Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men full of the Holy Ghost, and wisdom whom we may appoint over this business. And that's the only time in the New Testament you'll see the word business. And it is in reference to the local church and the need, in this case, to take care of widows. We, we don't have a lot of problem with that in America uh, because America is still pretty, you know, um, blessed. And... Uh, but that was their problem. It was huge, thousands of people, and who knows how many widows there were. Um, but that's, the, that's where we see the word business. Now, in the next verse, you see the word ministry. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Plus, you see the word ministration back in verse number one. In fact, there's 25 times where the church is called in the New Testament a ministry a ministration or ministering. So that's main thing. What's the main thing of the church? People. Ministering to people. But with that, naturally grows a business side. And we need men, good men, honest men. It says in verse uh, number uh, 3, Full of the Holy Ghost, men of honest report. Uh, they've been tried, they've been vetted. Uh, they're, they're honest men, full of the Holy Ghost, whom we may appoint over this business. You've you got to take this out of our hands. We've got to find some men to take this out of our hands. So we can give ourselves, verse number four, continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And there's been, I think, an absence of some of this teaching in some churches because you see pastors, sometimes even in small churches, just totally burn out because they're trying to go around and take care of everybody who's got a toothache or needs a ride to the grocery store or the bank or the doctor or, or, or whatever, when perhaps men in the church uh, could help bear that burden and, and free up the pastors. Again, not the apostles, not that they think they're better than anybody, but somebody has to give themselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. So, we, so when we assemble, we can have our souls fed, and it's worth the, worth the trip uh, to come to the church and go home. And I praise the Lord for this church and how they have protected me for 40 years so that I would be able to focus on that, although I've had to get involved somewhat in the business as the president of the corporation, which I'm looking very much forward to leaving that post. Because <laughs> uh, honestly, almost, almost anything we ever buy around here has to go through me, not, not just the approval of it. And if you can imagine that, every missionary we take on or whatever... Um, and this, this ministries have different personalities. We don't have a huge ministry of thousands and thousands of people where we're trying to take care of widows. Uh, 
Um, but other things have developed. And uh, the church can become a large business. A large business. And so they worked it out. They found good men. Seven men. They have thousands of people coming. And now they pick seven men. They lay their hands on them. They, they are put over this business. Uh, whom they set before the apostles. When they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. And they took care of the business. So the apostles were free to continue the ministry of the word, preaching, teaching, counseling, soul winning, whatever they did. Uh, and uh, it brought about a revival. It brought, a, brought about a revival. And so the, this is a little pattern for us here, even though churches, like I said, take on different um, personalities. And so, you know, in our day and age, we can, you know, try to focus on the, the, the ministry, children, youth, organizing, young adults, seniors, citizens, nursery, visitation, nursing homes, fairs, parades, prison, writing, publishing, printing tracts, leaflets, flyers, booklets, putting ads in the penny saver, vacation, Bible schools, kids clubs, bus ministry, whatever has to be organized. We can focus on those things as well as try to study for good sermons or lessons that feed people's souls well. And so people take the business side of the church uh, here even at Faith Bible and end up uh, helping out. Now did Jesus actually have a business side of his church when he had a mobile church that was going around from town to town to town to town to town to town. Yes, he did. In fact, I found one verse that talks about that. Turn back to John 13. <clears throat> John 13. And I want you to notice that by the tenor of the words in this verse, it must have been a normal thing that they were used to. Okay, try to pick that up as I read for you. John 13. And verse 29, and while I'm reading this, ignore Judas Iscariot, okay? Just ignore him and look deeper into the verse and just see that it was a normal thing. Verse 29, for some of them thought because Judas had the bag that Jesus had said unto him, buy those things that we have need of against the feast or that he should give something to the poor. Notice the first statement, buy those things that we have need of against the feast. That's a business side of the church. Or that we should give something to the poor, that's a ministry side of the church. And notice, he, when he said this, all 12 of them thought that's what he, or all 11 of them thought that's what he told Judas to do. Why? Because they were used to it. They were used to it. Okay, this has nothing to do with it. Of course, you know, the story is that Satan had entered into Judas to betray him. And Jesus said in verse 27, that thou doest do quickly. And, and, and as soon as the other 11 heard that, they thought, their, for their first thought was, oh, oh, Jesus must have instructed Judas, the treasurer, to buy something we have need of or to help the poor. That's what they thought, because it must have been so common. So any church that there ever is, is going to have a ministry side and a business side. 
And that's why for 40 years I've been the pastor of the Faith Bible Baptist Church and the president. Our church is an incorporated church. Some aren't. That's a matter of personal convictions of that particular church. That's why we're having an administration meeting tonight, because from the corporation side, you've got to do that legally once a year. Otherwise, we'd never do it. <laughs> so as a church develops, they begin to receive tithes and offerings. That's, that's part of obedience. Uh, as, as we read earlier, they laid the, their, the money at the apostles' feet, and then they had to be good stewards uh, of that. And, of course, all of that needs to be accounted for. Missionaries need to be supported. Salaries need to be paid. Utilities need to be paid. Insurances and, and um, uh, ministry curriculum or anything, uh, Bibles. In our case, as our church developed, it wasn't a great emphasis on widows, which we don't have in America. We have widows, but we don't have a great emphasis on widows who are widows indeed and can't possibly make it without the church's help because mostly there, there are means of help to them, and we'll get into that Wednesday night. But we ended up buying properties um, and uh, supporting missionaries. Uh, we have um, sent over $4 million through Faith Promise to missions since the beginning of our church. That's a, that's a lot of money. Uh, we support 158 missionaries right now, or missionary works, endeavors. And uh, somebody's got to read every letter that comes in. Um, and the money has to be sent out. Uh, all those checks, 158 checks or whatever, has to be printed up and, and mailed out. That is huge. Uh, you would not believe how many missionaries will call a church wanting to schedule a meeting. You know, I, I'm, God's called me to Guyana or something like that. Could we come to your church? And, and you've got to talk to them. And that, that's the most important thing in their life is what they're doing. And I can remember as a pastor listening to these guys every day and saying, yep, I, I agree that's the most important thing. I don't know when we can get you in. We'll try to get you And finally... We were up to about 60 missionaries at the time, and I said to Pastor Seth, I said, can you just take this over? I said, I'm not getting anything done but listening to this, and it's important. These missionaries are important. And so he's took it over, and it, it's, it's just doubled and a half since that time. And because of your good stewardship, your love for the Lord, your tithes, your offerings, your faith, promise, missions, giving, I, I think we're this year... The faith promises $346,000 this year, by far most ever, that people are giving to, to missions. And uh, that's, that's a lot. And um, as you see by the reports that we give you here and, and when we get into them here in a few minutes. So besides the missions, then we started church planning. Of course, we were running buses. Just think of all that, you know. We used to have four big buses, and you got to register them and inspect them and insure them and gas them and come up with drivers and workers for all of them. And we did that for 22 straight years. Uh, and it was wonderful. It was wonderful, but boy, that was work. And, and, and we used to maintain the buses. This was before the DOT inspections were fixing things. And 
Some people to this day say, I remember when I used to see you underneath buses adjusting brakes and, and, and we just had to do those things. And the bus ministry kind of went very difficult times because of the laws they passed in 06 of having to have buses, DOT inspected every six months, and we just did not have that quality of buses that could pass that we said, well, I guess we'll start planting churches. So we bought seven properties. Well, we bought this church, first of all, that was our first purchase, and then the charity house in Irving, and then renovated and fixed them up, the athletic field and parking lot behind us. Then we bought the Hilltop Baptist Church over there in Angola, and then we bought the Brightway Baptist Church in Cataraugus, and then we bought the Parsonage over there at the Hilltop Baptist Church, and then we bought the Countryside Baptist Church in Perrysburg, those seven. Besides that, we added this addition on to this building in 96, and that addition onto this building in 02. Those were major and, and costly. And uh, so there's a lot that, that goes on, man. I just, I can remember those days. And, and uh, of course, Frank Broughton did uh, most of the real heavy lifting on all this stuff. But I can remember writing out, uh, drawing, architectural drawings of the additions and, and going to the architect and, and uh, getting uh, variances uh, for this building. And, uh, boy, the, the business, that was just insane, man. I just can't even explain it to you how hard that was. And all of them were re- renovated, repaired, <coughs> rebuilt, whatever, maintained. That's a lot of business. It's a lot of business. It really is. Um, and, and, and a lot of other things, too, we could talk about. But the ministry is first and foremost people. And uh, if it wasn't for good people in this church... Brother Frank, our Minister of Finances, uh, Vice President uh, uh, Mike O'Mara and the trustees and, and, and people who use their hands to build things and do construction and so on, it wouldn't have happened if they, they, they hadn't said, hey, God has called me to help the business side of this church so that the pastor can have a little more freedom uh, and Pastor Garland and Pastor Barron, a little more freedom to, to attend to the ministry of the Word of God and prayer. And so you have both. And you see the Bible model with Christ, the Bible model with the church at Jerusalem. And then every church develops its own personality. Uh, we got into the printing ministry. We got a lot of expensive printing equipment. A lot of paper, and we printed millions of tracts and flyers and 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 uh, uh, booklets, and you know, distribute them, distribute them for free, and and so. But um, as a church, we 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 have to do that. We we have trustees. Some people say, "Well, why don't we have deacons?" Well, we don't have eight thousand people coming to church. And when they had 8,000, they got seven deacons, all right? I don't know about you. I grew up in a church that had to have seven deacons. They thought that was in the Bible. It's a tiny little church, and they thought there must be a rule in here. You've got to have seven deacons, son. <laughs> and I used to see them grab brand new guys that just joined the church and say, hey, you want to run for deacon? We need, <laughs> we need a deacon. And, and, and it was insane. I, and I remember thinking, that, I don't think that's right. 
And they get a bunch of unspiritual guys here who are in charge of this, 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 this. And the next thing you know, they were controlling the pastor, saying, no, you can't do this, and you can't do this, and you can't do this. And, and, and my wife and I finally had to get up and leave. Because there was no ministry that we're going. There was no soul winning. There was no evangelism. We love them. We loved them so much. But we say, you know, where is that in the, the Bible where deacons control the pastor? And the vision God has put on His heart for the church. Now you've all fit, uh, you've all followed my faith the last forty years. I don't know about you. I think we've had a good time, uh, and I think uh, God has led us to do wonderful things that forty years ago we thought were never going to happen. And uh, the Bible says we're supposed to, you know, whose faith follow? You, you follow and, and, and this is what you need to pray for Pastor Barron, that God will give him the vision. You know, God doesn't give a committee or a board the vision. He gives one person the vision. And we follow their faith and we follow it through. And if it's really from God, it works out pretty good. It works out pretty good. And we thank the Lord for all that He has done. But... Thank you for coming tonight and, and listening, and I just wanted to, to show you a little, again, a biblical basis for what we do uh, here uh, at the church, and that I've always looked at the church as ministry first, but we're also a business, and we want to be good stewards of your devotion, your hard-earned donations. Now, if you're new to this church, I say this maybe once a year, I don't count the money. I've never counted the money once in my life, 40 years, I've never. I cannot sign a check. I haven't signed a check in 40 years at this church. My signature's no good. I don't see the tithe records. I never look at the tithes. I haven't looked at the tithing records in 40 years. I don't know who tithes and who doesn't. I can't deposit money at the bank. I don't take the money to the bank and deposit it. And uh, it's just something I do. I'm not saying every pastor has to do it. Some pastors are the total opposite. That's fine. That's fine. But I felt that if I could pay attention to the ministry of the Word of God in prayer and not have my hands in the finances, that people would have more confidence in that. And I think it's worked very well. I think it's worked very well. Um, and that's just the way I am. Uh, I, I've been in a couple of churches where I had a real sour experience financially, that things didn't go the way they were supposed to go, and uh, I remember saying, if I ever become a pastor, I am never going to do that to our church. I'm never going to do that to them. Never going to. We've never had a bake sale or a garage sales or anything. We just pass the plates by faith. I hardly ever talk about money, except to God. I talk to Him about a lot. And God answers prayer and fasting. And um, we have been in the black since day one. Everything we've ever bought, every building, every renovation, we paid in cash. Everyone. We never borrowed. Never even thought about borrowing. 
uh, and our God has been very good to us uh, in the financial realm. And so I just I share those things like once a year, so most of you haven't learned anything new tonight unless you're new. The only thing I can sign for is uh, stuff at Ace Hardware. North Collins, Ace and Derby, um, True Value in uh, Irving, that's it. I mean, if we need soap or a new mop or something like that, I don't want to go through all the, you know, or if we've got something building, Pastor, can you go get two-by-fours? Yeah, I can go, go down there and get two-by-fours or building something, whatever. That's it. That's it. I've never asked for a raise. All these years, never, never once. I've been very satisfied, very content, very thankful for what uh, the church has given me. And I thank you again tonight as I wind up my tenure as pastor. This is my last business meeting coming up. And uh, you've been very good to me. And I praise the Lord for it. And God has been very good to us. doesn't matter if it was a recession, a depression, COVID. It didn't affect our God at all. Didn't affect our God at all, all these years of the way he's provided for us. I've never worried about money. I've never lost a minute of sleep. I lose sleep over people and the decisions they're making or whatever. Yeah, but I've never lost, never lost a minute of sleep worrying about the finances of the church, uh, knowing that my father is going to take care of his church. Yes. So thank you very much. Uh, Let's sing, thank you, Lord. Uh, Page number 217. Then we're just going to go right into our business meeting. You're welcome to stay, 217. And just observe if you want to. If you've got to go home, that's up to you. God bless you uh, for coming tonight. Uh, Tonight's different. We just do this once a year, and then we go back to... Well, marriage night's different, too, though, in two weeks. <laughs> You're going to enjoy that. Uh, so uh, you'll be glad you stayed married at least for two more weeks. Um, but uh, let's turn to page 217. Just thank the good Lord. It's been a good year. It's been a good year for the church.